quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I have no idea where you are right now listening to this podcast. Maybe you're on your way to work or folding laundry, something, to be honest, I don't do quite nearly enough, or maybe you're walking your dog. But let's just imagine that you are standing in line at a coffee shop, and there are, let's say, eight people in front of you. Would it surprise you to learn that two of those eight people sleep in a separate room from their partner? Because that's what the data shows, and not for the reasons you might necessarily assume. I find that fascinating, not only because that's the way most people expect couples to sleep, but because there's a huge stigma around this. When I told my colleagues about couples sleeping apart, they scoffed. No wonder people don't like talking about this because they assume others will think that there's something wrong with their relationship. I also find this interesting because not only did my parents sleep in separate rooms for part of their relationship, but at times in my adult relationships, I too have been one of those people and I'm not alone. We have a mattress in the master bedroom that was Eric's before we moved in together. The concrete bed. The concrete bed that's very firm. Meet Sarah and Eric Chen from Texas. And then we have my pillow top marshmallow bed that's in the guest room that I sleep on. They're like two extremes. Yes, extremes. (laughs) Now, I'm going to give you a stat here, and I want your reaction. If I told you that at least one in four American couples slept separately... Would you be surprised? No. Yeah, I don't I don't feel surprised. I almost wonder why not more. <laughs> America is in the midst of a sleep crisis, no doubt made worse by the pandemic. According to the CDC, up to 70 million Americans, that's more than one in 3 adults, suffer from sleep problems. And it's no surprise that bad sleep can negatively affect your work, your mental health, and even your relationships. Couples like Eric and Sarah here have had to come up with a fix, one that works for them. And yet when we think of couples sleeping separately, we don't think of modern-day happy couples like Sarah and Eric here. We're far more likely, dare I say, to be thinking about one of those, well, old sitcoms like I Love Lucy or The Dick Van Dyke Show. But get this, about a quarter of couples like Eric and Sarah admitted to sleeping separately at least a few times a month according to polling conducted in 2005 and 2014 from the National Sleep Foundation and 538 SurveyMonkey. And some YouGov data indicates that perhaps even more couples wish that they were sleeping separately. This means that a lot of folks, not just our grandparents, are sleeping apart or at least wish to be sleeping apart from their partner. Case in point, I recently tweeted about this and the calls, well, they came rushing in. Hi, Harriet. I am in a two-year-long relationship where my partner and I live in a house together but sleep in different bedrooms. We started sleeping in separate beds and separate rooms when I started snoring like a freight train. I have the master bedroom. He has one of the guest bedrooms. All of our things are completely separate. 
every morning we get up in the morning and he usually comes into my room and we spoon. Shalom. I'm Harry Enten. I'm the statistician you might have seen on your television screen and the guy who actually uses the math he learned in school. This is Margins of Error, the show that examines overlooked numbers. In each episode, we're going to take a look at an unusual piece of data and explore what it tells us about our world. Now, we assume that if a couple sleeps apart, then there's got to be something wrong. And there's definitely none of that, well, you know what going on. No matter who I speak to, everybody seems to agree that there's a massive stigma attached to couples sleeping separately. So what I want to try and understand today is why are so many couples sleeping apart? And are separate beds actually the secret to a healthy relationship and one answer to America's sleep problem? To start, let's get back to Sarah and Eric Chen. Like many new parents, they spoke to us from their home while trying to entertain their young child at the same time. They've been sleeping apart for four and a half years. And what's interesting is that they actually seem to like each other. What's sweet is that Eric would come in and he would snuggle with me before we'd go to bed. So I wouldn't miss out on that snuggle time or that like chat kind of time before bed. Um, we would still get that. And then and then we'd go retire to our separate, our separate bedrooms. How did it? actually start that you guys decided that you wanted to have a separate sleeping arrangement like this? I think it started uh, with back pain. I just kind of moved over to the soft mattress in the guest room. And then um, it just kind of stayed that way. There were a lot of different things I realized, like I always like a fan on and he doesn't. I always like to feel like cold with warm blankets on me. And he likes to sleep with like in a warm room with just a sheet. Um, I like to snuggle and he does not. (laughs) I'm a light sleeper. Yes. He's a very light sleeper. And I'm, I sleep like the dead. I think there's this idea, right? If you're sleeping separately from somebody else, that your romantic life is somehow impacted negatively. Mm -hmm. I, this may be a little bit personal and I apologize if it is, although, you know, I'm from New York, so, you know, everything goes, (laughs) uh, but how has the separate beds, if at all, impacted your love life? What would you say, Ann? I feel like I'm always talking. I think you better answer this question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to say something inappropriate. <laughs> Eric knows that he, he has the wrong answer. You have the right answer is I think what I'm hearing. I feel like the, the separate bedrooms hasn't, hasn't really affected that. I think that it almost, um, especially Eric, because he would sleep so poorly when I was tossing, turning, snoring, all of these things. And then was you know, grouchy. And that would negatively affect our relationship and therefore affect our intimacy. And so when we were well rested, it would, you know, you just, your mood is happier and you're happy to be around the other person. So I think that made us more intimate. Have you spoken about your sleeping arrangement with other people? And if so, how do they typically respond to that? It never really came up or we never thought to bring it up or maybe we didn't subconsciously just didn't bring it up because of the stigma. I think I thought maybe it was odd or something like that. But, you know, hearing the statistics, it sounds like it's not as odd as as we thought or as I, I thought. thought. <laughs> One of the things you brought up there is that you seem to believe and certainly I think that there's some stigma around there about couples sleeping separately, right? Yeah. It would be a sign of some marital failing or some issue with the marriage when 
you know, I absolutely love this man, adore him, and we just have very different sleep preferences. Yeah. You, you know, but as I listen to you two talk, and I'm, I also have the ability, even though we're not in the same room, I can see you two talk. And if I can paint a picture is that you're consistently looking at each other. Sarah is consistently looking at Eric in a wonderful way where like they're finishing each other's sentences and there's just these adoring eyes that are there. So it's like very, it, it, she, and now she's snuggling up to him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> So clearly, Sarah and Eric really do like each other. I mean, it's infectious. Yet there's a popular term for what they do, and it's used in most of the articles I've read on the subject of couples sleeping apart. Sleep divorce. Uh, Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't exactly think that that captures the spirit of Sarah and Eric. And understandably, the experts, well, they hate it. Honestly, how can you have the word divorce in the context of anything having to do with a relationship without your mind immediately pairing that with something bad, right? But I think that it does, you know, speak to this really sort of judgmental view we have of what is ultimately a very intimate decision. Dr. Wendy Troxell is a leading sleep scientist and the author of the book, Sharing the Covers, Every Couple's Guide to Better Sleep. She's been studying the subject for 15 years and has spoken to countless couples like Eric and Sarah to try to understand how sleep and relationships intersect with each other. You know, when you think about it, we spend about a third of our lives asleep. Of course, that's if we're lucky and we're getting the, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep that adults mostly need. Um, So that's proportionally a major part of a couple's existence together. And yet it's one of these things that we have absolutely no common framework for discussing. We just assume that because you love this person, that you're automatically going to be compatible in that third of our lives that we spend asleep. I mean, what other health behavior is is so interdependent with our partner? If we go for a run, you know, we may or may not do that with our partner. We may share our meals with a partner, but not every single one. And generally we can accommodate that. In other words, we really don't think twice about accommodating a partner's exercise or meal preferences, and we certainly don't judge people for doing so. But when it comes to sleep, societally, we are freaking rigid, man. It's a lot of time that one of you might be compromising, and especially if you feel the ill effects of being sleep deprived, well, that can breed resentment in a relationship. And if there's not a conversation about it, that's when some issues can rise up. You're talking about sleep, right? But there's other reasons why someone might share a bed with somebody, right? So, you know, you point to what is sort of the automatic assumption that, you know, we equate the literal meaning of sleeping together with the biblical meaning of sleeping together, (laughs) i.e. sex, right? So there's this automatic assumption that you can't have one without the other. And that's simply not the case. You know, I've spoken to many, many couples who swear that sleeping apart has saved their relationship, has saved their sex lives. Because say you're sleeping with a snorer and, you know, you're just simply not getting the sleep you need and you're constantly fatigued and tired and feeling fed up with your partner. That frankly is not good for your relationship and it's not good for your sex life. Popping in here again for a second. 
I just want to note that there's one thing I noticed with the couples I spoke to or heard from, and that is that snoring really does seem to be a major issue. I looked into this, and the numbers, they actually back it up. A recent SurveyMonkey poll found, for example, that of the couples who sleep apart, 46% of them say the reason is snoring. 26% say it's because of sickness. 16% say it's different sleep schedules. And 15% gave the good old answer of, well, fighting and arguments. All of this gets in the way of healthy sleep. And therefore, as Dr. Troxell explains here, some of the fun stuff too. And we know that sleep loss is associated with uh, reduced sex drive in both men and women, that it's associated with a loss of sexual frequency and enjoyment. It's also associated with a loss of relationship satisfaction. So sleep is good for sex and relationships. And sex doesn't only have to happen, you know, right before bed, you know, when both partners are going to spend the night together. You know, it's like we're in the same bed together and then we're just going to turn over and magically something happens. It's oftentimes I would think that the mood gets set long before you either are necessarily in the bed together. Absolutely. And I mean, I think people automatically go to these images of I Love Lucy, you know, that just strike as sort of a prudish, sexless relationship, I think that that's immediately kind of what comes to mind for many and where the stigma comes from is that there's this assumption that sleeping apart necessarily is a sign of a loveless or sexless union. Uh, But of course, this stigma is a modern phenomenon. It wasn't always this way. Dr. Troxell's actually hinting at something important here. The idea that the stigma is a modern phenomenon is definitely something that took me by surprise. And so, in a minute, it's time for a little history lesson. I'll talk to the author of a strangely fascinating book on the history of twin beds, and believe me when I tell you their Victorian origin story is definitely not the one you're expecting. I'm Harry Enton, and this is Margins of Error. People usually, when they find out, they think, oh gosh, already problems in the marriage. We've only been married about three years. Or they assume that we do not have, you know, any romantic life whatsoever. And and we do. We just get to choose whatever bedroom we want to go to. So, (laughs) I have narcolepsy. And I've always found it extremely difficult to sleep in a bed with a partner. So by sleeping in separate beds, I managed to salvage what little sound sleep I can. We realized that sleeping apart allows us to have slightly different schedules and we both are much better rested, so it's working great. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to interject for a second here. When we talk about couples sleeping apart today, we're generally talking about couples sleeping in separate bedrooms. Indeed, only about 3% of couples who sleep separately from their partner are actually doing so in the same bedroom. Part of the reason for that? Well, simply put, there's more room for couples to spread out. The median house size of newly constructed homes in the 2000s is up about 40% from those constructed in the 1970s, while the number of people sleeping in each household, well, that's down about 13% over the same period. I thought I knew what twin beds signified socially and culturally because of what they mean now. Outmodedness, prudishness, even sexual dysfunction. And I assumed that they had always had that aura. That's Dr. Hilary Hines, a professor at Lancaster University in the United Kingdom and the author of my new favorite book, A Cultural History of Twin Beds. But when I started to do the research, I quickly found that they used to have a completely different set of associations and meanings, that they were seen as cutting-edge, fashionable, modern, forward-thinking. And that took me completely by surprise. So why don't we sort of get into that a little bit? Why did you find that twin beds were adopted? They started to be adopted in a, in a systematic manner from around the 1880s onwards. And this was in the context of high levels of anxiety about disease transmission before the general acceptance of germ theory. And the fear was that sharing a double bed would mean that fellow sleepers would inhale each other's exhaled breath and that that was likely to result in, in illness. And so twin beds were a way to preserve the proximity of the married couple, but to safeguard them from breathing in the exhaled air of their fellow sleeper. But there was also an anxiety about the, the loss of vital force if people habitually shared a bed. So the idea here was that the weaker party, constitutionally and physically, would leach the life energy or the vital force from the other one. I guess I, I think I'm the weaker one, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so this is all very interesting, albeit, I'll admit, a little creepy. Uh, but I'm curious how sex played into all of this, especially considering that the Victorians, well, they're not exactly known for being free and easy on the subject. Or so I thought. Dr. Hines set me straight. So there were a series of late 19th century, I guess we would call them marital advice books. And they, they were looking to reform the relationship between husbands and wives, 
one of the things that they were looking to do was to preserve the pleasure in the sexual relationship between husband and wife through encouraging sexual continence, not having sex too often. And this was linked to the idea that you had a finite supply of life force. And if you engaged in sexual activity too often, then you would vitiate that vital Mm. force. And therefore, the pleasure of the sexual encounter would be diminished. So twin beds were thought to enable the couple to moderate their sexual contact. And it was also thought that the marriage would be improved by the way that twin beds were seen to enhance the aspiration of equality between husbands and wives. So rather than the double bed, which would allow or perhaps even encourage the husband to assume that his wife was always available for sex, with twin beds, that space between them meant that there needed to be a process of negotiation. Nothing could be taken for granted in quite the same way. That marriage might be more mutual, more companionable, more equal. Hold the phone here for a second. The Victorians were into marriage equality? Now, I don't want to take this too far, but is Dr. Hines actually suggesting that sleeping in separate beds were a feminist statement? Yes. I mean, I think these ideas did feed into that that first wave of, of feminist activity because there was, you know, a whole host of ideas about the new woman who would be more outward looking, would not be contained and constrained by the marital relationship. And yes, and these ideas were very much part of that, I think. Was there a class or socioeconomic aspect to couples sleeping in twin beds? Yes, I think there was, there was a very clear class dimension to this. So when we think about the upper classes, the preferred model there, as viewers of The Crown will know, that there tended to be separate bedrooms, not just separate beds. But that was very much upper class. Twin beds, in other words, two single beds side by side in the marital bedroom, that was very much a middle class phenomenon. Most models, when they were first marketed, were expensive. And you also needed quite a large bedroom. As far as I could tell, they were never very widely taken up in working class contexts. When and why did twin beds fall out of favor overall? I think it started to happen in the post-war period. So into the 1950s, that's when you start to see much more concentration in the press on double versus twins, you know, which was better for a marriage. Um, In the Daily Mirror in the mid-1950s, there was a full-page article saying, you know, twin beds might be more practical and they're good in the sense that you don't get drafts and you can get away from somebody snoring. But it said the double bed, it has to be admitted, is so much more friendly. And I take that to be a euphemism. By the time you get to the 1970s, I think they had accrued the reputation they still have today. Outmodedness, prudishness, sexual dysfunction. Throughout my conversation with Dr. Hines, something I dare say became clear to me. And to be honest, it goes against everything I thought to be true about twin beds and the history of couples sleeping separately. At one time, twin beds were thought to be a progressive phenomenon. Then they were fuddy-duddy. 
But now, sleeping separately is back again as a progressive phenomenon. And Dr. Hines summed this whole issue up for me rather nicely. I think it's as if there's this problem that people keep kind of worrying away at around the balance between proximity and autonomy, intimacy and independence. And twin beds were one attempt to address that in the context of a marital relationship. And even if twin bedsteads aren't back in the bedroom, versions of that might be, which might be, so let's have our own bedrooms and then we can just move in and out of each other's rooms as we want to. Or we might even have our own apartments. So they're just different ways of trying to address the same questions about nurturing, safeguarding, enhancing that enduring relationship and doing so through a balance between togetherness and apartness. Now, obviously, some couples begin to sleep apart because the relationship is on the rocks. Those couples do exist, and we should be honest about it. But think again about Eric and Sarah, the couple we heard from in the beginning. They're proof that sleeping apart doesn't have to mean anything other than what it is, a choice to get a decent night's sleep. And by doing so, they're actually prioritizing the relationship so it doesn't end up on the rocks. Let me uh, ask you, before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask about this that you think I should know about sleeping separately, whether that be your arrangement um, or just your general thoughts on the topic? I feel like there's a similarity to sleeping in, as there is with parenting in that everybody has something that works best for them and their family. And having a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for parenting just like it wouldn't work in my mind for sleeping. So the idea that this is the standard way of sleeping and if you don't sleep like this, you're something's wrong with you. It would it seems to be not um, not considering all the different factors at play. I guess the point is that sleeping apart isn't gonna work for everybody. But for some of you who have been hesitating about doing it because you're afraid of what it might say about your relationship, you really shouldn't be. And this is a great example about how data can be liberating, how data can show us that some of us who think we're alone aren't actually all alone. Margins of Error is a production of CNN Audio, A Magnificent Noise. It's produced by Sabrina Farhi, Eva Walchover, Jesse Baker, Megan Marcus, and Ashley Lusk, with support from Lindsay Abrams and Rafina Ahmad. Our sound designer is Kristen Muller. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. And I'm, well, I'm Harry Ant.
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.